Brad Border was a young man um, characterized by a series of poor decisions that he had made. Uh, he was living his life kind of as a confused, uh, aimless uh, type person. His future looked a little shady and rocky just because of the, of the prior choices that he had made and the choices that he continued to make. Uh, one day in uh, 1994, he was driving his car through the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina. And any of you that have ever gone to the Smoky Mountains, man, you know, first of all, it's beautiful. And second, the roads are winding, right? So um, Brad was concentrating on keeping his car on the road, which is a good thing. Um, so he had one hand on the wheel, and he thought, you know, it's, uh, I'd like to put a little music on. And so he turns his radio on with the other hand. But instead of music coming on, it's a, it's a pastor, and he's teaching from the Bible, now, a little bit about Brad Border is, first of all, he's an atheist. Second of all, he doesn't believe the Bible. He mocks God, he laughs at the Bible, and it's teaching. So this is the background that, that we're looking at. So he's, um, he, he's driving through the Smoky Mountains, and he's listening to this pastor talk about the Bible, and uh, knowing from the past on how he responded to anything spiritual, um, you thought, wow, here I am, an atheist, listening to this pastor talk about the Bible. And he thought, you know, I've always rejected it right off the bat. But he said, today, for some reason, I'm, this is making sense to me, you know? So um, he started thinking, you know, there is a God. And Jesus is his son. And I don't know him. So you can kind of see the trail that he's going on. And he said, if that doesn't change, my life will remain in shambles. And then he said, it's strange how you can be driving along a road and suddenly you believe your entire destiny hinges on the words from a book that's 2,000 years old. That's true. Um, and as he's driving, you know, he's just kind of dealing with these different thoughts like, you know, what the pastor's talking about, yeah, it's making sense. I, man, my life is a mess. And, and then he says... Um, it was like the pastor was talking to me individually. And um, he asked the question, what's going to happen on the day when you stand before God? What's going to happen? And that was, a kinda, that was a question that just really riveted in Brad's mind because he didn't have an answer. There was no answer for that question. He had no defense and he realized he needed Jesus, he needed forgiveness, and he was certain God, the maker of everything, was alive. And suddenly Brad knew that out of everything in the world going on, he needed to know him more than ever. And so he found a spot where he could pull off the side of the road and he prayed, man, he prayed his heart out to God realizing how desperate he was of a Savior. And he asked God for forgiveness. And he said, I'm placing my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I want to know you personally. And the cool thing is God answered Brad's prayers, all of them, right there on the side of the road. Now, 14 years after this incident, you know, Brad had plugged into a church and and got involved and started serving, and then he went to Bible school, and man, I'm gonna, I want to I be a pastor, and God kind of redirected his steps, and 
He ended in in, uh, signing up in the U.S. Army as a chaplain, having the opportunity to um, model the character of Christ in the military. And over the last several years, Brad says, I have had the opportunity of leading over 700 men and women to Jesus Christ as a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Now, when you stop and think about that, here's Brad Borders, an atheist, you know. His life, he's made terrible choices in his life and kind of going into a dead-end trail here. And he's driving through the Smoky Mountains and God gets his attention. Boom! And now he's a U.S. Army chaplain leading, pointing people to Jesus Christ. He was there and he's here by the grace of God. And each one of us this morning who have that same relationship with Christ, we can say, this is where I was and this is where I am by the grace of God. How about it? Well, this morning... Uh, Brad Border's story relates very well to a dude in the Old Testament that we're going to read about. So let's go to the book of 2 Kings. And if you have your uh, soft cover Bibles that are being handed out, page 222, you've got a jump start on us. Um, let's pick it up at chapter 5 and uh, verse 1. Everybody there? Did you bring your Bibles today? You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that, but hopefully you did. It's always good to bring your Bible. So we get to read it. Verse 1, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. Who's Naaman? He's going to answer it, the commander of his army. Because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. And at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that as you spoke to Brad Borders in his car driving through the Smoky Mountains, you can speak to us at Life Church this morning. And we're asking you to do that. We thank you that your word is so relevant, even in 2019. And help us, Lord, to apply it to our personal lives to make a difference for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Aram is modern-day Syria. Let's check it out on the map. Um, So this is Aram, and today it's Syria. Uh, This is Samaria. This is where Elisha's living. Let's go to the next map. So um, Damascus, uh, Bible... Teachers believe that Naaman and the king from Syria were living in Damascus. And so evidently this young girl that had been hijacked from her home country was living there as well. And told Naaman the leper 
you need to get to Samaria. So that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. This is just over 100 miles. Boom, right there. Um, this is the Sea of Galilee right here. This is the Jordan River that drops down into the Dead Sea. So uh, Samaria, and Elisha's going to be talking about get over here to the Jordan River. Uh, that's about 34 miles. So that's kind of the context. Um, just to put it in perspective, friends, last Wednesday, ISIS... Um, through a suicide bomber, hit one of our bases in Syria and killed four of our service people. That's Syria. That's where we're talking about right now. So once again, when you read your Bible, you have to understand that even though this is a long time ago, this particular story, um, the ground where these people walked and lived, it's still there today. And you could go there and, and see this all in living color. Um, so um, here we are. We see back that Syria, uh, during this time in history, they were growing in power uh, with their military, with their political power. And, and so looking at Syria to the northeast of, of Israel... They were dropping down into Israel to um, intimidate that country, to kind of say, hey, we're, we're stronger than you are, and um, just to kind of keep Israel off balance, so to speak. Um, king Joram, the king of Israel at the time, was not following after God. In fact, he was, he was an evil king. He worshipped all these phony baloney gods, and he was leading the entire nation to do the very same thing. So God, recognizing that Israel was supposed to be a model of his character to the world. Back in the Old Testament, that's what Israel was supposed to be. They were to worship God, love God. The way they lived would be an attraction to all the countries around them to say, we need to get to know this one true God. But unfortunately, it wasn't happening. King Joram was not living for God, and so because of his example, he was leading the entire nation with him in the wrong direction. The same way Brad Borders was making bad decisions in his life, King Joram was making bad decisions for his life and for the life of his countrymen. So we see that um, they were dropping down into Israel, boom, stealing, 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 harassing um, going back to Syria, and the Israelites, it was like, oh, we don't know the next time they're going to be coming into our community and taking our family, friends away, uh, destroying what we own, etc. So, number one in your notes on the back of your program, um, life's but, life's but, let's put some meat on that. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord, are you reading that right? The Lord, this is the Lord, capital L. See it? The Lord is taking a pagan nation and using them to get victory over Israel. Does that make sense? Sure it does. 
Same thing happened with Habakkuk, with the Babylonians coming in. Once again, Israel had turned their back on God, and God was trying to get their attention, so he was allowing Aram, Syria, to cross over into Israel to get their attention to say, Hey! You're not living for me. I, I have what's best for you, and you're ignoring me. And, and you're worshiping these, these idols that are not real gods. So God was using that to get their attention. Do you remember when God got your attention? Huh? What was going on? How did he get your attention? Well, he, got, he was attempting to get Israel's attention. So that's what's going on here. So the Lord had given Aram great victories, circle but in that verse, because though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Listen, Naaman was the number two dude in, in, in Syria at the time. You had the king, and then you had Naaman. And the king, man, he, he was tight with this general because uh, they thought the same this general, Naaman, was very wise strategically on the battlefield. And so the king would, would seek counsel from him. You know, what's the next step? The direction we need to go as a nation on the battlefield, etc. But Naaman had leprosy. What's that about? Leprosy in that day, it was, it was doom and gloom. If, if you went to the doctor and they said, you have leprosy, uh, your life was over. It was a, generally a slow, painful death where that leprosy would eat your body. It, it would just consume your body parts. It was brutal. And so... When you look at Naaman, it seems like everything's going his way. He's, he's, he's victorious on the battlefield. He's successful. He's got a great relationship with the king. Everybody in, in Syria knows him. He's been on the news. He's been on uh, the covers of, of all the news magazines. I mean, his face is everywhere. But he had leprosy. It looked like everything was going his way, but he had leprosy. And friends, we're living in a broken world, and because of that, it, there are times when it looks like everything might be going your way, but you're going to have a but at some point in time. Some of you have already had buts in your lives. And what's that all about? When the buts come in our lives, it's an opportunity where we can dig in with God and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to continue to live for you. Mm -hmm. And so something was going on with Naaman. He had a problem, didn't he? He had a problem with leprosy. Leprosy was, he was doomed as a man. There was a death sentence plastered all over his forehead. But he also had another problem. We'll, we'll key on that in just a few moments. But life, life has buts. And we, we can't get away from it. Number two, um, something interesting happens here. Keep your lights on. Keep your lights on. So, so when I drive at night, I, only, I have my headlights on, but I also put my fog lights on because I want all the light I can get. How about you? 
Well, let's take it over to the spiritual realm. Look at verse 2. At this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So the Syrians were engaging on these border skirmishes. They'd cross over, come back, cross over. They, they would take people, kidnap people, whatever the case may be. If that was going on in your world, wouldn't that make you feel a little insecure? Huh? Wouldn't it? I mean, imagine going to sleep tonight and in the middle, 3.30 in the morning, somebody barges into your front door and takes one of your kids or takes one, you know, takes you. That's a little unsettling, isn't it? That's the kind of environment Israel was living in. And, and so this girl, this young girl, we don't have a name, no name. She, she shows up in 2 Kings 5 and she disappears at the end of 2 Kings 5. She's gone. She shows up and she's gone. No name. But guess what? God uses her. God's using her. Listen, wherever you are right now, I don't, I don't know what you're going through or where you're planted, it may seem like your life is insignificant in your eyes, but I want to tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's all in his hand. His hand is on you to be used by you. This young girl, imagine being taken from her home, her family, her neighborhood, her school in Israel, and she's transported to Syria to this pagan country. And she's living with the general, Naaman, General Naaman. And she could, she could say to herself, hey, God, God allowed me to be kidnapped so I, can, I could be a spy for Israel. You know, I could send emails down to their Mossad, you know, and, and give them all the updates on what's going on over here in Syria. Or I can put a little arsenic in his food, you know, when I make his food. In his Cheerios, you know, in his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, just keep dropping a little bit of arsenic. You kind of take him out a little quicker than the, than the leprosy will. She could have had that mindset. I want you to imagine yourself being in that little girl's skin. You have been taken from your family, everything you've known. You've been, a, you've been following after God as a, as a little girl. You've been doing what's right, and you are taken from your family and put into Syria. How would you respond? This little girl could have very easily said, you know what, life isn't fair. This is not fair. She could have became very bitter and angry at God and said, God, it's your fault. Why didn't you protect me when I was living in Israel? Why did you let this happen to me? She doesn't go down that road. Why? Because she trusts God. Very similar to Mary when Mary was told, you're going to carry Jesus, the Son of God, as a virgin. Never heard that before. But it's Mary trusted God. God, whatever you say, I trust you. And so this little girl... In, instead of becoming angry and bitter, you know, at God. And, uh, 
you know, she, if somebody would have hijacked her diary and found these writings like yesterday, they re, they're responsible for destroying my dreams. And then her diary for today, they're responsible for me being alone in a strange land and people. And if you could read her diary for tomorrow, because of them, I'm miles away from my loving family. That would make sense, wouldn't it? It would. But she doesn't have that in her diary. Her diary simply reads, God, use me in this home for your honor and glory. So what does she do? She sees Naaman dealing with the leprosy. She's dealing, you know, her, his wife. She in the home, seeing what leprosy's doing to him. Instead of, instead of celebrating his destruction, she in turn tells Naaman's wife, get your husband to Samaria. There's a man of God down there and he can heal him from this leprosy. He's got to get down there. Does that make sense to you? Instead of wanting his destruction, she's pointing him to the answer. God has you in your environment for a specific reason, and that is to keep your lights on. Let the light of Christ shine bright, because this young girl could have put her light under a bushel. You know, I'm in a foreign country. I'm going to go undercover for God. No, no, no. She was very upfront and really bold about it, wasn't she? So... This young girl was more concerned about God's fame than her own living conditions. And how cool of an example is that for each one of us? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, this is Paul writing, And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. You know what? This young girl signed up. I'm going to be an ambassador for God. That's what I'm going to do. I don't care. I don't care where I'm living, what, I'm, what conditions I'm under. God has put me here for a purpose. I'm going to be an ambassador for him. And let's see what happens. What do you think? Wouldn't that be cool if Life Church, we just came to that point in our lives and said, I don't care about what I want. I, I want God's fame to spread. I want God's honor to spread wherever he's got me. Yeah. Man, something cool would be going on in this part of Wisconsin. So, yes, Lord, we sign on to be your ambassador. You good for that? Huh? You good for that? Yeah. Three, after you keep your lights on, this is swinging back to Naaman now, take a step, verse four. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet. And the king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction um, for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. How many of you would like 150 pounds of gold today, man? Ten sets of clothing. Um, 
In modern day, you're pushing almost a half million dollars, by the way. He's hauling down to Samaria to try and make it impressive, you know, that he wants his healing, and he'll pay for it if he has to. Um, can I tell you something? Your spiritual healing came free. You don't have to hoard up silver, gold, clothing to try and impress God. You come as you are. It's free. This gift of salvation. Aren't you glad for that? So he goes, you know, he, he, he takes a step. And he could have, you know, his wife said, hey, honey, uh, this, this girl from Israel says you should get down to Samaria. And, and Naaman could have, you know, he's a military dude and he's proud. I'm not going to do with that. That girl's off a rocker. There's nobody in the world that can do that. See, he could have pushed back like a lot of us. We talk ourselves out of what God wants us to do. That's not good. But fortunately, this little girl, just that little statement she made in the kitchen, you know, oh, by the way, there's a man of God in Samaria. You may think your little words, your little sentences that you speak don't mean anything. Listen, people are listening to you. And Naaman's wife was listening. And she was part of that encouragement to get him rolling. And he takes the step. In 2019, don't be paralyzed in your walk with God, you know, because you're going into uncharted territory. Just like Naaman was going into Israel, you know, to the king's palace, that's uncharted territory for him. Say, so God, where you want, what you want me to do and what you want me to say, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so um, Naaman was desperate enough to take that first step. May we be desperate to do that as well. Number four, go to the right source. Verse six, the letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. That's a nice letter, isn't it? From one king to another. I want you to heal my man from leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. <laughs> because Israel and Syria, man, they, they were not friends, believe me. And so Joram, the king of Israel, was thinking, This guy, this is kind of a ruse here. This is a, a plot to get him into the palace, and then he's going to start a war for us. But guess what? That wasn't the end. Look at verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard the, that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So go to the right source. Naaman went to the wrong source. He thought, I would need to go to the king the little girl from Israel didn't say anything about going to the king. She said, go to the man of God, right? You need to go to the right source. When the butts in life hit you, where do you go? Do you go to Google? Do you go to social media? Do you go to Oprah Winfrey? Huh? Where do you go? Well, we need to go to the right source. 
We need to go to God first. That's where we should be going. That's the difference maker, right? Go to the right source. So King Joe Ram, you know, he's having a panic attack in the palace because he thinks Syria is about to attack him. Tearing his robes, that was very seldom done, but it was a sign of distress and fear. And that's exactly what was going on the inside of Joe Ram. Man, I think of Jehoshaphat. That, he didn't tear his robe. He went to the temple and he cried out to God, God, I don't know what to do, but you need to help me. You know, when the enemies were surrounding him. That's a big difference. As a follower of Christ, we have that same opportunity. We don't have to tear our robes. We can go right to God and say, God, I need your help. So, number five, expectations not fulfilled. Look at verse nine. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. He rang his doorbell. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. Can you, can you visualize that? Huh? A man, a general, becoming angry and he... Storms off in a rage. Hmm. Why? Why did he do that? Here we go. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. So you can see he, he, he turned and walked away, and then he's, he's yelling to his guys on the way, you know, as he's walking away. And his anger's escalating, and he ends up in a rage, like, pack my bags, I'm going back to Syria. I'm done with this nonsense. You ever do that? Anybody do that? You're in a rage? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, all right. Well, Naaman, uh, he's in a big, he's in for a big surprise. I, I, this is where we get expectations, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a problem because um, um, he says, I thought and uh, I expected. You take a look at that in verse 11. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Why? Because Naaman, even though he had leprosy, he had an ego problem. He, he had listened to the people around him so long and he believed what they were telling him, that you are the greatest general that ever lived. You are wonderful. And he believed them. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm awesome. And so he figured, he expected, when I rang the doorbell, Elisha, the man of God, would come down and answer. But instead, guess what? Elisha recognized before Naaman could be healed of leprosy, he needed to be healed from his pride. He had a pride problem. And so God is dealing with that pride. Man, God wants to do that in your life and my life. Because pride, man, it, it, it's not good in our walk with him. It gets in the way with our relationship with Christ. And, and the messenger, 
that was sent down by Elisha said, yeah, you need to go to the Jordan River that's 34 miles away. And you need to take a dip seven times in, in, in the Jordan River. And uh, let's take a look at the Jordan River. How many of you, look, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You're already making reservations on your iPhones right now, man, going to the Jordan River. It is beautiful. I almost fell on him there. Careful. That's not beautiful, is it? It's muddy. You walk into the Jordan River, you're going to sink into the mud. And that's exactly... um, Naaman had been by the Jordan River. He was familiar with what it looked like. And he's saying, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to go into that dirty water. I'm a general, man. I'm important. But isn't it interesting? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Friends, if the Jordan's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you and me, right? Sometimes God sends us in places where we feel very uncomfortable. He's stretching us. He's pushing the envelope. Because he wants us to become more like him. Breaking down our pride to where we depend on him and acknowledge him as our great God. The Abana River, by the way, was called by the Greeks and the Romans the river of God and the golden river. It it was sparkling clean. It it was a huge contrast to to the Jordan River. And... um, So these expectations can get us into trouble. I thought and I expected. You ever say those things to God? I thought, God, that you were going to do it this way. I expected you, God, to do it that way, and you didn't. And unfortunately, that gets us into a mess. Ken Blanchard, in his book, Lead Like Jesus, says the word ego, E-G-O, stands for edge God out. Edge God out, and that's, that's what happens when our pride gets in the way. We edge God out. We push God off. It's, uh, it's kind of similar to Muhammad Ali when he was still Cassius Clay. He was flying, taking a plane trip, and as you know, when you get on a plane, they give that wonderful recorded message on fastening your seatbelts, right? How many of you like to listen to that? So anyway, the stewardess, before they were... Uh, they, they were taken off, she's walking down the aisle and she looks over and, and uh, Ali doesn't have a seatbelt fastened and so she says, please fasten your seatbelt and he responded, uh, Superman don't need no seatbelt and she looked back at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane either <laughs> sometimes we need a flight attendant like that to speak to us, don't we? Just to get our attention, maybe put us back on the ground again, you know, where we belong. Number six, who am I listening to? Verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Simply go and wash and be cured. Who am I listening to? I, I think about Naaman. You know, he's, he's packing his bags. He's, he's ready to take off back to Syria. And his colleagues say, 
Naaman, you're right, man. Jordan River's dirty. You have every right to be ticked off. You're right. Elisha, should he should have come down to that door, and he should have waved his hand over you. You're right. You, he should have done that. Let's go. What if Naaman had men like that around him? He would have missed his miracle. Instead, he had men who were good friends. They cared enough about him to confront him on a weakness they saw in him. It took courage to do that, believe me, as a general, man. And they said, Naaman, Naaman, this is easy going to the Jordan River and dipping. This is easy. You know, Naaman, as a general, if he said something tough, you would have done it. Look at the men he had around himself. Fortunately, Naaman changed his mind. Who are you listening to? Who's got your ear this morning? What's your number one source that you fill your mind with? Where do you go? What kind of people do you have surrounded yourself with? Are they talking to you about walking away from God or are they talking to you about getting closer to God? Hmm? There's too many people, friends, that are bailing out. They're aborting the mission prematurely. And Naaman could have aborted the mission by saying, I'm going back to Syria when he was so close for his miracle. And I just want to ask you this morning, as 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. We need to ask ourselves, who am I allowing to speak into my life? Who's influencing my life? And we need to hopefully make some changes along the way. Seven, obedience pays off. 14, verse 14 So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Isn't that great news? How close Naaman came to walking away from that miracle. Now, when you look at Naaman's character, I I can see this happening. You know, he gets down around the second time, he doesn't see any change, and he starts walking out of the Jordan River. I'm getting out of here. And his men just push him back in there. Get in there. Where do you think you're going? Well, I've gone too, man. I don't see anything happening here. Ah, okay. So he goes back in. He does three and four, and he starts walking out. I don't see anything. They push him back in there. Get your body back in the door. All right. Doesn't see anything happening. Five, six. Finally on the seventh. Comes down, comes up. No more leprosy. I don't know if you've seen a leper, man, but I'm telling you, it's brutal to your body. I, would, I was going to show some pictures today, but it's nasty. He comes up on that seventh time, and he's got the skin of a little boy. A miracle. Obedience pays off. And I want to ask you, what's your Jordan River? Why aren't you getting into where God wants you to go? Not not just hop in and hop out, but stay there for the duration that God wants you to be there. You stick it out. 
and get your answer because obedience pays off. It does, man. Obedience has rewards. And finally, number eight, God is honored. Look at verse 15a. Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. What's going on here? Naaman declares that there's no God anywhere in the world except the God in Israel. We go back to that little girl who pointed Naaman to Samaria. A missionary transplanted to Syria. Now Naaman, a pagan, puts his faith in God and says, there is no other God. I've got all these little idols all over my house and I'm getting rid of them because there's only one true God. And he goes back. Here's the purpose. God wanted this man to go back to Syria and let the light of Almighty God shine in that pagan country. It wasn't happening in Israel, so God says it's going to happen in Syria. God wants to do that in your world as well. He wants you to make that difference. He wants you to keep that light on. He wants you to go into the Jordan River, not three times, not five times, but seven times, to stay put. And so this morning, what is the Spirit of God saying to you? What is he saying to you? For 2019, man, I want to tell you something. I've been, I've been hearing, uh, talking to different folks about what God's been doing in this 21-day fast. Man, it is so exciting. It's awesome. Because you're getting into the Jordan. And you're dipping, not twice, not four times. But God's doing some cool stuff in you, isn't he? And let's continue that, man. Let's remain strong in 2019 as we obey and as we humble ourselves before God and do what he wants us to do. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you as this little girl from Israel who was kidnapped trusted you, Lord, in a foreign country to talk about you, to let her light shine, to model the character of God. We think of Brad Borders driving through the Smoky Mountains, just a, an atheist. You got his attention, Lord. And today he's serving you, telling people about you. And we could go on and on, Lord, on how you rescued us and how you endeavor to use us to tell others about you. And so, Lord, in 2019, may, may we obey you. Even when the buts come in life, help us to dig in with you, Lord, to model you in a world that's watching. I pray, Lord, your blessing on each person in this room this morning. that this year the chains would fall off, those things that have held us back, Lord. This will be the year that we say yes to you. No more compromise, no more giving in to what we want. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name.